Well, hey, everybody. Pastor Brian here. It's Tuesday, October 27th. Time for our weekly update. I apologize about last week. I think that maybe some of you missed the podcast last week because I typically record the podcast on Tuesday, publish the podcast, and then I send out an email letting everybody know. I, I, I send an email to Denise Schmidt to let everybody know that the podcast has been published and a lot of people, um, <clears throat> excuse me, navigate to the podcast that way. Last week, I recorded the podcast on Monday and scheduled it to be published on Tuesday. So it did come out on Tuesday, but I didn't send out a reminder about it. So if you missed it, press pause, go back and listen to last week's podcast first before you get to this week's podcast, because it's the third part of the three-part podcast that I've been doing on the election, preparing for the election. And I've been talking about getting us ready to vote. You know, we're only one week away uh, from Election Day. I can't believe that it's finally here. So we're one week away from Election Day. I was at a pastor's meeting today uh, all through the morning and into the early afternoon. And uh, that topic came up several times about the election. We prayed for our country. We prayed about the election And so today, we're going to continue our discussion about the election. And, you know, as we continue this discussion, I mean, the first two podcasts in this three-part series have really just been me replaying a sermon that I preached last year called The Christian and Politics. I hope you took time to listen to it. Uh, I think that there's some valuable things in that message that help us when we discuss the issue of politics. But I promised you that today I was going to do something that I've never done. In all the years I've been pastoring, in all my years of ministry, I've never directly talked about my vote or how I vote. And today, I'm going to talk a little bit about that. Now, I want to make clear, and just by uh, way of disclaimer, before I begin this discussion, that what I'm going to discuss today is my views as a private citizen. These are my private views. I'm not encouraging you to vote for a particular candidate. I'm not telling you to vote for a particular um, presidential or congressional or local candidate. I just really want to talk about what informs my vote and how I think about the process of voting. I think that perhaps a lot of people in our country, no matter which persuasion they would define themselves as, whether they are conservative or they are liberal or whatever, I think that a lot of people probably just vote party lines and don't think a lot about what they're voting for or why their vote matters on certain things. And I think that it's important for us to think. Now, honestly, our country and our political parties have become so polarized that most people probably are voting down party lines, even if they have thought about their vote. So there's nothing wrong with voting down the party line if that's what you want to do. Um, But I just want to share with you briefly today how I think through the process of voting as a follower of Jesus. You know, we want every part of our life to be impacted and to be uh, influenced by the fact that we are followers of Jesus. And the voting process, the political process for us as Christians should be informed first and foremost by our allegiance to Jesus Christ 
the fact that we are citizens of his kingdom first. And, um, you know, I think far too often we tend to divorce our political views from our life with Christ. And I think that we need to be careful about that. Or (laughs) this is a topic for another discussion, but maybe sometimes uh, many of us perhaps marry the two where they don't belong married. Um, But again, today I just want to think through this process as a follower of Jesus. And the first thing I want to say, I said this in the message that I replayed for everybody, is, you know, I, I do want to say I believe you should vote. I believe that you should participate in the political process. There are some Christians who believe that the political process is a worldly process. The candidates are morally corrupt. We can't trust anybody. And so as a Christian, we're just not going to vote at all. We're just going to sort of bow out of the political process. I don't think that's the right view. I think that you should vote. I mean, if your conscience won't allow you to vote, and we'll get to that later, uh, that's one thing. But I, I really do think that you should participate in the political process, that you should be concerned about the direction of your country, the the impact that it will have on your children, the impact it will have on your grandchildren, the impact it will have on you, the impact that the uh, politics in our country will have on our churches and the ability to freely share the gospel. I mean, these are all real issues. And so I think that you should participate in the political process. I think that if you are registered to vote uh, when next Tuesday rolls around or before then, if you want to vote early, vote. Be involved. Vote. Have a voice in this. Uh, But who you vote for, I really can't um, tell you who to vote for. I don't want to tell you who to vote for. And that's I hope you didn't tune in today thinking Pastor said he was going to tell us about how he votes, and so hope he's going to tell us who he votes for. Um, look, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to talk about particular candidates because for me, voting really is not about a particular candidate. I mean, there are certainly candidates that I support. There are sometimes candidates that I, in my personal life, am very excited to support. I think that they are necessary, and I think they're doing a good job, and I think they might affect change. And so there are certainly sometimes candidates that I'm excited about, but for the most part, it's not about candidates for me. Uh, For me, it's about issues. Uh, I want to think about the issues that those candidates represent. Um, Unless the person is just so, um, such a I don't know what the uh, what the term here is, unless the person is just such a horrible human being that they shouldn't hold public office. They're morally disqualified from leading anybody or or even uh, holding public office. You know, I'm typically just interested in the the issues that that candidate represents, not the candidate themselves. And so, these issues govern how I think about the political process, and and truly. I think most of the time when I'm thinking about issues, which I'm going to share with you in a moment, uh, three big issues for me, um, there are, when I'm thinking about the issues, I'm not usually thinking about who I can vote for as much as who I, I'm thinking about who I can't vote for. I, I'm really using the issues to eliminate candidates 
more so than I am using the issues to identify candidates. And that may be a little bit reverse way of thinking about things. I don't know. Maybe you think about things the same way. Uh, But I'm trying to think through these issues and what do they mean for me as a Christian? What are some issues that will disqualify a candidate for me? And there are three big issues for me that are always present, uh, at least in recent years. These big these issues are always present and are always important. Um, one issue is the issue of abortion. The issue of abortion, I am morally opposed to abortion. I believe that God's Word reveals to us uh, through, it, through many different ways that God is always pro-life, that God would not ever uh, be defined, that Jesus would not be pro-choice. Let's just put it that way. I, I believe that abortion is a moral issue. I believe that it violates um, the command not to murder. And so I believe that the taking of an unborn child out of a mother's womb at any stage after conception is wrong. And I don't ever want to find myself supporting a candidate who supports abortion, at will abortion. I think that's important because it's going to be increasingly difficult um, as we move forward. Just listen, it's going to be increasingly difficult in the years ahead, I really believe, to find a candidate who will oppose at-will abortion, abortion as contraception. Now, let me say this for all of you who are listening, uh, because I always want to be clear about this. Anytime I bring up this issue, I want you to know that God's grace is sufficient for you. If you're listening and you've had an abortion, I believe that God's grace is sufficient for you. I believe that God can forgive any sin, including abortion and so don't feel like that somehow, and I know in Christian circles somehow we have identified certain sins as almost unpardonable, and this can be seen as one of those. Like if you've had an abortion, somehow you're beyond redemption. That is not the case. Listen, God can forgive and wants to forgive and is willing uh, to forgive you if if you are um, if you are repentant and you ask him for forgiveness, God will forgive you. And so uh, don't don't hear me wrong today like this is some unpardonable sin. But I don't want to support a candidate or a movement or a, uh, a particular person who's running for office if they're saying that if they're voted into office, they're going to work to make abortion more accessible that they're going to work to make abortion uh, easier to get for women based on their choice. I, I just can't support the issue of abortion. And if you want to hear more on this issue, like more about where I stand, I'm not going to go on and on about this, but you can go back. Last summer I preached a message called The Christian and Abortion. It was part of the series on uh True Answers to Tough Questions. I believe it was June, July, and August of 2019. If you just sort of go back in the podcast and look for that, you can see, and I, I will um, I will share all my views on that. It's a, view, it's a subject that's close to my heart because our son 
who we adopted. We've had him since birth. Literally, we were there when he was born and took him home the next day um, from the hospital. But our son was supposed to have been aborted, and he was not. He's a survivor of an abortion, so to speak, and it's an issue that's close to our heart, Denise and I. But I can't support that in a candidate. I I won't vote for somebody who is pro-choice based upon uh, or or wanting abortion on demand. Another issue that's a big issue for me is the issue of the Supreme Court. Um, I know that that is a a hot-button issue right now. I'm not going to say anything more about it than that, but I feel like many times the potential for Supreme Court justices to be appointed and confirmed is a bigger issue than who's actually in the White House. And I think that our current situation is really a good reminder of how important this is. Um, President Trump was able to give us three Supreme Court uh, justices during his presidency. Uh, it could have been, had President Trump not been elected, Hillary Clinton would have had the opportunity to appoint three Supreme Court justices. So who is elected and the party that controls the Senate matters when it comes to the judiciary in our country. And the judiciary is very, very important. And I think will become even more important in the years ahead as uh, as we think about different issues that are going to probably head to the courts in the years ahead. It's going to matter who's on the court, and it's going to matter which sort of way they lean on how they interpret the Constitution. So I'm always thinking about what effect will my vote have. We don't vote for these judges, these Supreme Court justices, but we do vote for the people who appoint them, who nominate them, and who confirm them. And so uh, that's a big issue for me, and that's something that you may want to consider as well. Uh, The other big issue for me that I'm thinking through more and more, and this has become an issue that's almost been overwhelming in our culture in perhaps the last 10 years, is the issues surrounding and bear with me as I uh, as I as I say this, the issues surrounding LGBTQAI plus issues. I know that's a lot of letters. I'm not going to go through them all. I'll shorten it up from here on out. I promise. But we have been in a in a sort of cultural shift on the subject of LGBTQ rights or LGBT rights or however you want to put it. Um, this in this issue of uh, same sex attraction or uh, same sex marriage or all sorts of different issues now concerning this and the issue for me on this as a Christian uh, first and foremost this is a theological issue this is an issue where I look at the Bible and I see a very clear teaching about God's design for men and women and uh, God's design for sex, and God's design for sexuality. There's This is not ambiguous in the Scriptures. The only way you come to a position that homosexuality is not a sin 
or that sexual relation, uh, a sexual relationship outside of the confines of marriage between one man, one biological man, and one biological woman. The only way you can say that sex outside of that relationship is not a sin is just to decide to reinterpret uh, what is clearly taught in the scriptures and and to say that essentially times have changed, so our way of viewing the scriptures must change. And I don't take that view. I believe that God's word is true. I believe that the meaning has stayed the same, and I believe that God defines uh, marriage as a covenant relationship between one biological man and biological woman. Uh, it's strange that we even have to say that, uh, that we have to say biological in front of those terms, but also that any type, because we, we're in this world where it's not any longer just about homosexuality, uh, it's about all sorts of sexuality and sexual identities and gender identities and gender fluidity and all these different things. And, uh, you know, I believe that we just need to look at God's design and see that God designed sex and sexuality in a certain way. He he designed and created marriage, and anything that breaks outside of God's design is sinful. And I know that's not popular sentiment in our culture nowadays. I, I, I totally get that. To call it sin, I think many people would shrink back from that and say, oh, Pastor, how could you say that? Um, well, I say that because it is sin. If the Bible says that God designed something a certain way and we rebel against that design, then we're sinning. And just like the, any number of things I can name, I'm not going to name them. And so now we have this as an open issue. It's a theological issue for me, but it's also a practical issue for me now because the leaders of the LGBTQ uh, movement over the past couple of decades have done a masterful job of creating or framing this issue as another civil rights issue. And so there's even now legislation that has already passed the House of Representatives in, uh, in the past couple of years, uh, legislation called the Equality Act, which deals specifically with LGBTQ um, equality in all sorts of different places, uh, in the workplace. It, it's basically legislation that, that prohibits discrimination uh, against people based upon their sex, gender identity, um, sexual preference. I know that's not even proper to say that anymore, but you get the idea. You're not supposed to uh, discriminate in the workplace, hiring, housing, all those things. The same way that race is not uh, acceptable reason to discriminate, now they're going to add all these LGBTQ issues, which on the surface we may all say, well, that's okay. We shouldn't, even if we disagree morally or theologically, we don't want to discriminate based on uh, people's identities. But I want you to hear a, a clip why I say this is a practical issue for me. As a pastor of a church, I want you to hear a clip from... 2019, and a town hall between the Democratic uh, presidential prospective nominees, um, the candidates at the time before Joe Biden emerged as the as the candidate. I want you to hear this clip from Beto O'Rourke, who is no longer a candidate for president, 
so you may think this is irrelevant, except that it's not irrelevant because Beto O'Rourke said out loud during that meeting uh, what basically all the other candidates affirmed uh, through in different roundabout ways. And Joe Biden even said that he agreed with all of his um, all the other candidates who appeared in that town hall on LGBTQ issues. So he would essentially agree with Beto O'Rourke's uh, position. And uh, I want you to hear this. This is very important because this has a practical application for me, for our church, and for you as a Christian. Listen to what he says. This is from your LGBTQ plan, and here's what you write. This is a quote. Freedom of religion is a fundamental right, but it should not be used to discriminate. Do you think religious institutions uh, like colleges, churches, charities, should they lose their tax-exempt status if they oppose same-sex marriage? Yes. There can be no reward, no benefit, no tax break for anyone or any institution, any organization in America that denies the full human rights and the full civil rights of every single one of us. So... There you have an example of why this is such a practical issue. Uh, Depending on who wins this election, depending on who takes control or maintains control of the U.S. Senate and House of Representatives, this legislation is already there. It's waiting to be passed, and this legislation called the Equality Act is legislation that has the potential to strip our church of its tax-exempt status if I lead us to continue to oppose same-sex marriage, which I'm going to lead us to continue to oppose based upon my convictions about what God says, not about what our culture says. And um, this is legislation that could have ramifications for individuals like pastors who speak out or continue to oppose certain issues. So it's a practical issue. The LGBTQ um, revolution in our country, so to speak, is not just about letting people live and let live. This is an issue that there's a movement underneath the movement that's about opposing uh, traditional structures in the family, opposing traditional institutions like the church. And I will not vote for a candidate who supports the LGBTQ platform. I will not do that. I will not vote for a candidate uh, who sees uh, it as a duty to to move this platform forward. It's not just about uh, who loves who or who can marry who. Believe me, it's a much bigger issue that has the potential to impact all of our lives in ways that perhaps you never even imagined. I, I'll continue to say, before I wrap this thing up, I'll continue to say that I think in my lifetime, in my ministry, uh, if I make it another 30 years, I, I think that I will be uh, probably will run the risk of being arrested or prosecuted to some extent for words that I can say in the pulpit just about what God says in the Bible. That's that's pretty wild to think about. We're that close to that right now. So I don't want to support anybody or any movement, any candidate who is supporting the LGBTQ unit. So those are or, or movement. So those are three big things I think about when I'm thinking about the election. Um, I think about abortion issues. 
surrounding abortion, and I think about the Supreme Court and our courts in general, not just the Supreme Court, but the entire judiciary and who's appointing judges. And I think about the LGBTQ uh, movement, its theological implications and the practical implications of what's going on there. And when I think through those issues, that's going to exclude far more candidates uh, than it's going to include. And based upon who's left, if I agree with them on certain issues or if they promise to take a stand on certain issues, then I can vote for those candidates. But if I realize what I can't vote for first before I ask what I can vote for, that's going to just do the job of whittling away a lot of the candidates. And ultimately, you're going to have to think about what will your conscience allow you to do as a, a Christian? How will you vote? Can you violate your conscience uh, when it comes to voting? Do you believe that by voting for a particular candidate that you're um, doing something that's right biblically, that you're standing on biblical principles when you do it, that your vote would be something that doesn't interfere with or interrupt your walk with Jesus, you're going to have to answer those questions for yourself. Um, I can't answer them for you. I can't tell you who to vote for, but I can tell you there are certain issues that as Christians, we need to think through the the uh, reasons why we can or cannot support certain candidates' issues and movements with our vote before we go to vote on Tuesday. So think through those things. Pray through those things. Think about who the appropriate candidate is for you to vote for. And if you just reach a place where you feel like that in good conscience you just cannot cast your vote, then don't. Uh, but I think that you should cast your vote if your conscience will allow you, if you've thought through the issues and you're going to respond in a way that honors your walk with Christ first. That's your first concern. So I hope that didn't disappoint you. I hope that you didn't come here thinking maybe the pastor is going to give us specifics on who to vote for. I just wanted to share with you how I think through the process. I'm thinking about issues. I'm thinking about my relationship with Jesus. I'm thinking about being a follower of Jesus before I'm thinking about anything else. That's what's most important to me. And uh, issues that violate what God has clearly revealed I can't vote for somebody who's going to encourage an agenda that violates God's agenda. I just can't do it. And so uh, I'll leave you with that. I hope that you're having a wonderful week. I hope that uh, I'll get to see you tomorrow night on our Wednesday night gathering. If I don't see you there, I look forward to seeing you on Sunday. And if I don't see you there, I hope you're tuning in online as we continue to stream our services online each week. I hope that you're tuning in, you're being faithful in your attendance. I pray that you're not allowing this season of separation uh, to draw you away from worship and from time with your church family, even if it is gathering in front of a television screen or computer screen or phone screen or whatever it is. Um, you know, prioritize worship and our fellowship around God's Word each week that will help you to continue to grow spiritually. So I hope I'll see you tomorrow, Sunday, online, wherever I see you. Have a wonderful week. I'll see you soon.